Welcome to the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. We're getting ready to have an old-fashioned line-on-line, precept-on-precept study of God's Word to search out those deeper truths and gain a greater understanding of the Bible. We would love for you to join us today as we dig in and learn what it is God would truly have us to know from the letter that He wrote to us. Hello there, God bless you. Welcome into the study today. We're very glad to have you. We're going to be picking it up in Matthew chapter 12, verse 35 here in just a moment. Now, we're to the point that Christ is pretty well lining these Pharisees out. As we covered in the last chapter, he called them this generation of vipers, or this offspring of the serpents. Really nailing down who these who, who these Pharisees and the, the, the high priest and such were, and why it was important that they were here at this specific time. He also told us in the last study that to take on his yoke, and we explained how that a yoke makes the burden light and everything. Well, what is the yoke from Christ? In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul lets us know to put on the armor of God, and it gets you through this life using God's strength. And that's what that yoke is. It's having the the truth and the righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with preparation, with the gospel of the peace and the shield of faith and the the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. And that's the tools or that yoke that we're supposed to take on in this flesh to be able to work more efficiently in in this age of time, in this eon, this time of testing that we're going through right now. So now with that said, Matthew chapter 12, verse 35, we ask for clarity and understanding from our Father. In Jesus' name, verse 35 reads, A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. That's pretty common sense right there. If a man's got good intentions, well, he's going to do good things. If there's one that sits around and thinks of nothing but troublemaking, well, he's going to bring trouble. Verse 36, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Now this idle, in the Strong's Concordance, is Greek word 692, and it's autogos. And what it means is barren or lazy word. So gossip. All the, you just got idle time, you're sitting around, you can't think of nothing better to do, and, and that old... Jaw gets to rat wagon and, and just kind of gets to run in your head and ends up talking about things that ought not be talked about. That's what that's talking about. Verse 37, For by thy words thou shalt be justified. And this justified can also be uh, proven innocent. And by thy words thou shalt be condemned or proven guilty. 38, Then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign of thee. Now Christ has been going around healing. He's been casting out devils. He's been doing all this stuff. And they want to see a sign. Now, God's not a sideshow. He's not a three-ring circus where he's just going to perform all these signs anytime somebody wants to. If if, If you're asking for a sign, well, then that's showing a little lack of faith. It's all right to put out a fleece 
if there's an important decision coming up or there's something going on and you're not quite sure of the route you're supposed to go, you ask, pray about it, go about your, see, test that route, see if it works out. If it don't, pray about it again, change up, you know, look at what might have messed up on your end, change it up again, and head back out and try it again. Now, if it don't work out that time, it might be a pretty good indication that that's not the route you're supposed to go. Just like Gideon, just like uh, Gideon putting out the fleece twice. Now, 39. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall be no sign given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas, which is Jonah. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. <clears throat> Excuse me. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonas, and behold, a greater than Jonas is here. Now, a lot of folks will come down on Jonas and say that he was a coward. He was running away. He tried to drown himself. He did all these things running from God's will. The thing about Jonah is that where is Nineveh? Nineveh at the time was a major city in Syria. Syria ended up being the, the Assyrians who took over or who took captive the ten northern tribes. Jonah knew that the, the prophecies, Jonah knew this was to come to pass. So when God sent him to preach to them, to get them to repent and turn so that God could end up using them, he didn't want to do that. Because basically what he was doing was enabling those to come and take over his people. That's why he was running. He wasn't running because he was scared. He wasn't running for anything like that. It was, he didn't want to be the one to convert the Ninevites. Although God had totally different plans. It was God's will that he be there to do that. And the reason he was in that whale's belly or the fish's belly is because the Ninevites believed in a God called Dagon. And he was the half man, half fish. So whenever you've got a couple of Ninevites just walking down the beach and all of a sudden this fish just comes up and, and throws this dude up on the beach and he gets up and walks off, he's been eaten by this fish. All they can see is, well, that's a gift from our God right there. And so then Nineveh was converted because they thought he was the high prophet of Dagon, even though obviously in the conversion he explained where he was from. And then that's why he was so upset afterwards is because he knew that those prophecies were going to come to pass, that the Assyrians were going to come in and take over the ten northern tribes. Now, verse 42, The queen of the south shall rise up in judgment, with this generation, and shall condemn it, for she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, a greater than Solomon is here. And that's referring to First Kings chapter 10 with the Queen of Sheba coming and uh, adoring everything that Solomon had done and all that stuff. Verse 43, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man. Now this is important right here. This is Christ teaching us about cleansing someone just in, in his name, uh, just as he gave us the power in Luke to be able to cast out evil spirits. Now, this is important to understand in this. 
When an unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest and finding none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. So what's that saying? Whenever someone has an evil spirit in them, or familiar spirit, and you cast it out, he's looking, that, that spirit's looking for another warm body to get in. If you remember, they even went into the swine. They just need a warm body that has the, the blood pumping through it that can basically be a house for them. And whenever you cast them out and it's empty and it's swept and it's got everything's nice and clean, then what? 45. Then goeth he and taketh with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of the man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. Excuse me. So whenever you clean, cleanse someone... You've got to fill it with the Holy Spirit. Whenever they, whenever, if they have this evil spirit or this familiar spirit, and you cleanse that, you have cast that out, you've anointed them with the oil of our people, with that olive oil, and in Jesus' name, you cast that spirit back to where it come from. Then the work begins. Then you start putting that, the Spirit of God back in them. You fill that house with the Spirit of God, because where the Spirit of God is, an evil spirit cannot be. Verse 46, While he yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without, desiring to speak with him. Then one said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to speak with you, with thee. But he answered and said unto them that told him, Who is my mother, and who are my brethren? Now, this is not disrespectful at all. He's not being disrespectful in this. He's fixing to make a point. And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren, for whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. What did that say? The same that believes on me is my, is, is my father or is my brother, my sister, my mother? Mm-mm. Whosoever do the will of my father. That takes action on our part. We've got to do that will. We've got to continually search out the will of God for us in our life. And it's different for everybody. But we've got to find it and do that will. Now, chapter 13 is a very, very important chapter. We get into some parables. And Christ would say, if you don't understand these, then you won't understand the Word of God. So chapter 13, verse 1. The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside. And great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on shore. What this is talking about, what this is saying he got in this ship and cast out to sea just a bit. And they, they found this place. The archaeologists have found this place where they believe this took place. And what it is, he, it, it created a natural amphitheater where he could be out and naturally everyone could hear him. This, this huge crowd could hear him. He wouldn't have to uh, 
have naturally they didn't have speakers or anything but this was a, a natural amphitheater to where there was no having to shout there was no having to use people to convey the message to the back of the crowd everybody could hear it verse 3 and he spake many things unto them in parables saying behold a sower went forth to sow and when he sowed some seeds fell by the wayside and the fowls came and devoured them up some fell upon stony places, where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprang up, because they had no depth deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them out. But others fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now you remember, any time that is said, that means that something, some, some great deal of wisdom has just been passed out. As I mentioned in a previous study, that's given that that is said a lot in the book of Revelation, and each time it's said, it's to get us to perk up and pay attention to what's going on. Now this sowing is broadcasting, is what that is. It's like having. Uh, you know, you, you have a, nowadays you've got a broadcaster that you can run by hand and it's got a sack on top of it and it's got this lever and you sit there and turn that lever and it spins this wheel and throws that seed out and really just covers the ground good. At the same time, if we bring it up to this word, broadcast can, broadcasting can be done on TV, this podcast or wherever. And the thing is, if it comes back a hundredfold, that is a miracle. Typically, you're not going to get 100% germination. So then, how does Christ explain this? Verse 10, And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? Why are you talking to them like this? Why, why are you kind of keeping this hidden? Verse 11, He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it is not given. For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. What this is saying is, if you have wisdom, and if God's blessed you with that wisdom, and he gives you a little, and you take that little, and you spread it. You don't put that light under a bushel basket. You give that seed. You continue to give that seed, and he sees that you are a good steward of this word. Well, then he's going to give you more, and then you spread that more, and then he'll give you more, and you spread that more. Excuse me. Verse 13, Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. Esaias, which is Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, 
for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see, and have not seen them, and to hear those things which ye hear, and have not heard them. Now, what this is talking about, or leaning towards, is as Paul would say in Romans chapter 11, verse 8, According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that should not see, and ears that should not hear. Unto this day. Now, why would that, why would that be so? It's to protect them. To protect those who God loves. God loves all of us. And it's to protect those little children who might fall again to Satan if they knew the truth. Who might commit that unpardonable sin. Because they wouldn't be strong enough to stand before Satan. Therefore, he gives them this spirit of slumber. And that slumber in the Greek can also mean stupor. means they, their eyes just aren't open. Their mind just won't conceive what is going on. It won't receive this truth, this real truth, the meat of the word, not just the milk, but it won't receive the meat whereby you can understand the deeper truths. And it's from a divine protection, basically, that God is putting on them. Verse 18, Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. Now Christ is fixing to explain it. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth, catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. Now obviously the wicked one is Satan and this seed is the word of God. This is he which receiveth seed by the, way, by the wayside. Now this wayside is like a, a path beaten on the side of the road where it's been trampled underfoot, it's been packed down, it's real hard ground so that seed's not going to be able to get down in the soil to germinate. It's just going to be on top. And that's where the ravens come in and get the seed and fly it away. Now think about that for a second. He used a very unclean bird. And then also, in that whole doctrine, what do they do? They, they get the word and they fly it on out of here. That wicked one catches the way that which is sown. So he's going to load all these folks up that think that they're doing good and try to convince them to fly away right before Christ comes back. Verse 20, But he that received, received the seed in stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receive it. Now this anon, that's immediately with joy receive it. Yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth or endureth for a while for when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word by and by he is offended he also well what this is saying is they catch this word and man it's just feeling so good and you know they're promised it's going to just be a rose garden and everything's going to be beautiful and there's going to be no more strife and no more hard work and everybody's going to love you and then they find out you know that's kind of opposite it's opposite of the case the more you learn, the more work there is to be done, and the more you are persecuted. And the first little sign of tribulation, they, they just they melt away. They're like snowflakes. They just, they just melt away whenever times get a little rough, and they go on back to their old habits. Verse 22, He also that received the seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and that care of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. 
So he's tied up with the flesh. He don't quite want to make this full commitment to God because there's so many great things that he, excuse me, that he thinks he can obtain in the flesh. But you got to remember this world is very short. It's just a blink in the flesh. And then the eternity is in the spirit. So that's where you want to lay up your treasures. Verse 23, but he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understand it, which also beareth fruit and bring forth some hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Now that's that one that receives this, that allows it to germinate, or that is that the spirit germinates this word in their mind, and it just they're just enthralled with it. They're they're all about it. They search it out. They look for it. And then they begin to broadcast this seed themselves. And it just is a, a continuation. And then it's it's just a it, I mean that's the way God wants it to be. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's the will of God is that we pass these little seeds along. And as they trickle down they'll get bigger and bigger and bigger. Verse twenty four Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. One thing about this word seed in this verse, it's from 4690 in the Greek in your Strong's Concordance, and the word is sperma. I'm sure you can guess what our modern word for that is. Verse 25, But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat. And went his way. Now, what is this tares? This tares is a plant. It's called zoan. And as it's growing, it looks just like wheat. You can't tell them apart until the fruit comes forth. That grain comes forth, and and wheat has this beautiful golden grain, whereas this zoan has a a black grain, and it's very poisonous. But until that fruit comes off, until that grain has budded, you can't tell them apart. 26, but when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the household came and said unto him, Sir, is not thou so good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? And he said unto them, An enemy, the enemy, hath done this. The servants said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? You want us to go out there and, and, and get all the tares out of there? But he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the, time, until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in burn, bundles, and burn them. But gather the wheat into the barn. Another parable he put forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds, it's tiny. But when it's grown, it is the greatest among herbs, and becometh a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. Another parable spake unto, uh, he unto them, The kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, till the whole 
till the whole was leavened, till the whole loaf was leavened. All these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables, and without a parable spake he not unto them. Now, we went through them quick because Christ is about to explain all of them. Verse 35, Then it might, or that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables, and I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. That's Psalm 78, 2. Now, this foundation of the world, you can find in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, Paul says the same thing. You were chosen before the foundations of this world. What is this foundation? It's the overthrow. It's the catabolic. That foundation when Satan rebelled and God overthrew Satan and did away with that age, that first earth and heaven age, I guess you could say, that first eon, when we were all spirits and then ushered in this age of the flesh, this age of testing to see who will follow God and love God or who's going to fall back in with Satan and follow him to the pit. Verse 36, Then Jesus said, or then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house. And his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. All right, now, Christ is fixing to explain this. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of the world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and them which do iniquity and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father, who hath ears, let him hear. So, the tares are the children of the wicked one. That sounds real familiar. Because Christ right there is explaining what happened in the garden, the sin in the garden, whenever... Satan would go to Eve and beguile Eve. Beguile in the Greek is expatio. It means wholly seduced. And she became pregnant. That's why God said, I will multiply thy conception. It Zero times anything, zero. But she had a child already conceived within her womb. And that was the wicked one bringing forth the first tear in the word of God. And these tares grew alongside this wheat this whole time and are still here. If you read Jeremiah, I believe it's 24, you learn of two baskets of figs. One basket is very good, and the other is rotten, just wicked figs. But they're put together, and that's part of the parable of the fig tree. They're put together into one basket, meaning these tares and this wheat are all having to make it together. And the tares bring forth this wicked fruit. One of the fruits of this is the high priest at this time who will bring forth the crucifixion of Christ. And 
they do everything to corrupt the world and bring evil in the world. And if you look around it today, you can see it seems like it's getting more and more evil every day. And then you have the good, the good wheat that God has sowed. And those are the ones who are going out trying to spread this word, trying to bring this word to, to everybody. <clears throat> All right, I believe we'll pick it up there in the next study. These parables are very important to understand. Just as I said, Christ said, if you don't understand these, you won't understand the rest of the word. If you don't understand that the, the tares, if you don't understand the original sin in the garden, then it is terribly hard to understand the rest of the plan of God and how it came to pass and how it's coming to pass and will come. Now, if you like this podcast and would like to support it, not in a monetary way, but if you can give a rating or a review or a like, it would help us out. I just learned that that's the way that uh, podcasts are um, broadcast or whatever made made more public, I guess, I, I, or easily e more easily found. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. All this is kind of new. Uh, but if you can leave a, a rating and a review, it would help us out tremendously. And I'd also like to thank everybody who tunes in. Uh, we just were emailed or, or whatever you call it. That we're just notified that this podcast has made top 40 Bible studies in, I guess, in the world for 2021. And we're very proud of that. And that is certainly a blessing from God. And it could not have been done without each of you that tune in and listen to this. So God bless y'all. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions that you'd like answered on the podcast, you can write to us at Humans Under Grace, P.O. Box 1467, Tatum, Texas, 75691. Or you can email us at questions at humansundergrace.com. Thank you, and God bless you.